This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. As one of the first voices of the University of Kentucky men's basketball program, Claude Sullivan became a nationally known sportscasting pioneer. His career followed Kentucky's rise to prominence as he announced the first four NCAA championship titles under coach Adolph Rupp and covered scrimmages during the canceled 1952-53 season following the NCAA sanctions scandal. Sullivan's reputation in Kentucky eventually propelled him to Cincinnati, where he became the voice of the Reds, and even to the 1960 Summer Olympic Games in Rome. His success was tragically cut short when he passed away from throat cancer at the age of 42. In the book, Voice of the Wildcats, Claude Sullivan and the Rise of Modern Sportscasting, Claude's son, Alan, along with Joe Cox, offers an engaging and heartfelt look at the sportscaster's life and the context in which he built his career, featuring dozens of interviews and correspondence with sports legends, including Wallace Wawa Jones, Babe Perilli, Cliff Hagen, Ralph Hacker, Jim Host, Billy Reed, Adolph Rupp, and Kaywood Ledford. This engaging biography showcases the life and work of a beloved broadcast talent and documents the rise of sports radio during the 20th century. Alan Sullivan is the son of Claude Sullivan and began working in the family broadcasting business, Sullivan Enterprises, at the age of 11. Assisting with the production of Kentucky basketball and football games, he managed the restoration of the Claude Sullivan Collection at the UK Archives and is a UK fellow and former member of the UK Library National Advisory Board. Joe Cox is an attorney and is the author or co-author of 10 books, including 100 Things Wildcats Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. I'm happy to have Alan Sullivan join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Alan, welcome to this program. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad that you invited me. Look forward to it. So, why this book for you about your dad? Well, Steve, it's a kind of a ambition, lifelong from the standpoint that when I moved my mom in 1998 from our family home, my father, as you mentioned, passed away at the young age of 42. And uh, there were 30 boxes of memorabilia, letters uh, from Bear Bryant and Adolph Rupp, photographs, just a treasure trove, tapes, uh, last Bear Bryant football game in 1953. And so I gathered a lot of this stuff up for the archives, and I realized Dad would probably have written a book had he lived to, to see that. And I'm sure he would have written a much better book because he was a journalist and quite accomplished, but... What I did was just from his memorabilia and the archives uh, draft uh, over a period of years, really, because I kept uncovering new information, and I finally penned a book, and I got with Joe Cox, and Joe had never heard of Claude Sullivan. And I said, Joe, are you interested? I'm looking for somebody to be an editor. And he said, well, let's, let's do this. I'll write a chapter or, or rewrite or edit, and we'll see if you like what I do with it, because... It's hard with that much information to cull it down when it's someone that you knew intimately and your father. And everything seemed important, of course. And so Joe became a great editor, and he won't take much credit, but he says I was the relief pitcher that came in with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and put out the side. But (laughs) we had a great relationship, and he listened. By the end of the book, I was noticing that Joe had a lot more knowledge of Claude than I had realized initially. And found out he'd been on the archives website and listening to the recording. So we were comparing notes, and a lot of that came out in the book. So it was a fun experience, and I think 
probably the most fun I had was the e-book has 28 embedded audio clips as the uh, book moves along. And uh, I got to edit those and pick out a combination of basketball, football, baseball, horse racing, interviews with Major League Baseball players and put together the audio clip. So that was, it was a real good experience to, you know, it's kind of difficult with somebody that you love that's been passed that long, but it was also kind of healing and a good uh, outcome, I believe, so people know of Claude Sullivan's legacy. Alan, for the younger U.K. fans, what was Claude Sullivan like as a person, as a broadcaster? Well, he was he was very accessible, and I think people like Billy Reed will tell you uh, he he had written for Sports Illustrated, Courier Journal, Election and Herald. Is right out of high school. He said I was. He said Claude was one of those people that. You didn't know what he would be like when you met him, but you were more impressed with him after you met him because he was so accessible and so willing to give you advice and help. He mentored a lot of other announcers, D. Huddleston, J.B. Faulkner, Tom Hammond to an extent, because Tom Hammond came in at VLK and took over Dad's sports show after he passed away and lived in our neighborhood. So he also mentored... My brother David, who went on to announce at ESPN for five years as a sports center anchor and UFL games for eight years on WDRV and so forth. So I think that's the type of person he was. Uh, there was story after story of reporters who were with Colonel who would approach Claude and he would uh, be at the speaker's table and one story he said, they said, Claude, come up here and sit with us. And he said, well, I've got a friend down here that I'm talking to. Uh, let, let me spend a few minutes with him. And he sat down and had lunch with this young reporter. And, you know, he was willing to give. And he, he didn't see anybody as competition because he knew what he could do and where he was going with it. And he wanted to help others enjoy the profession that he really loved to do. It was not work time. It was really a passion. We're chatting with Alan Sullivan. He, along with Joe Cox, have written the book Voice of the Wildcats, Claude Sullivan and the Rise of Modern Sportscasting. Alan, how did he revolutionize the coverage of the U.K. football program? Well, one of the ways was uh, he was the first syndicated coaches interview show in the country that was sponsored. LeGree Motors sponsored the Bear Bryant interview each week, which Bear would forecast games that were coming up in the SEC. He would talk about the last week's game and, and give you a little bit of an insight into the game coming up. Seems very routine now, and it is, of course, but back in 1949, it was not. It was uh, There just wasn't much coverage of football or basketball or uh, probably more baseball at that time than anything else. But uh, that was one of the things, and then he followed that right after the football season with a syndicated show with Adolph Rupp, and he and Rupp and, and Bryant were really good friends, and they started out together, and it was Bear Bryant's first coaching job, and Adolph had been there, but he hadn't won a national championship, so Claude traveled with the team to the championship games on the plane and socialized with Adolph and his wife and uh, Harry Lancaster when they were on road trips, and he was not that much uh, younger or uh, older than the players at the time of the Fabulous Five because of the war. Several of them had been in the Army and had come back and finished school. And 
Claude started in uh, his first game he broadcast was New Year's Day, 1945. He was two days. He had turned 20 years old. Well, he was broadcasting a game in Madison Square Garden with Long Island University, but he was in Louisville, Kentucky, broadcasting as a teletype. Well, how, how crude of the technology was that to start with, and then he ended up with getting into mobile technology with WVLK, the mobile unit, which was a community service that broadcast back to the station, and they do remote and live interviews. And he had the forerunner of a cassette player back in the 50s when a Mohawk recorder was used to broadcast uh, interviews down on the field at Crosley with players, and he took to Europe sponsored tours for WVLK to Russia in 56 and 57. He made recordings while he was over there, mailed them back to the station, and instead of his sports show, they had a show that was Claude Sullivan from Europe and Moscow and the Kremlin, and he put those together while he was in his hotel room in Russia. So he was very interested in technology, and I wonder often how he would have dealt with technology today. I'm sure he would have embraced it and been doing Claude Sullivan podcast right now. <laughs> what was his relationship like with Kaywood Ledford? It was good. Uh, back then, there wasn't really the competitive nature because they each had their own network. They had their own advertisers in their own market. HAS was a large megaphone, as somebody once said, of 50,000 watts. Well, Dad had 17 stations in the standard oil network. J.B. Faulkner had a few more than that in the Ashland Oil Network, but they were all friends. They knew each other. They traveled together, and Dad traveled some with Kay Wood, some with J.B., some with Wild Jones later, before J.B. got into Keeneland and horse racing and eventually dropped out. So uh, they traveled a lot together, and that's how they got to know each other. And I worked a little bit for Kay Wood during football games because our booth was next door to Kay Wood's, and I would get the game scores for the other games from the station. I had a pad to write them down on. And I was taking the next door, and Kaywood would pay me $10 a game just to update him uh, every half hour or so with the scores as they came in. So it was very, very friendly. And, you know, Claude mentored other announcers like Dee Huddleston who came along. And there's one interview with Bear Bryant where J.B. Faulkner and Claude interviewed him together. They only had enough time, I guess, for one interview, so they both asked questions and uh, shared the interview. As part of your research for this book, Alan, you conducted, uh, you and Joe, dozens of interviews, correspondence. What did these men mm -hmm. that you interviewed and corresponded with, what did they have to say about Claude? Was there a common theme? Well, it was really, yeah, it was. It was kind of interesting. I think one of the most interesting ones was, of course, Wad Jones was a, a really good friend of Claude's. And I went over to his house to do the interview, and he was taking me through the house, showing me all of his awards and the game ball from the Olympics in 48. And that was really interesting. Of course, they were really great friends. And, and uh, so Ralph Beard had talked to me at the basketball museum about their relationship. And they would come up to me and my son and say to my son, you know, your grand, your Granddad was without a doubt the best broadcaster that ever lived. And Blake would look at me like, you never really told me that. <laughs> and uh, things like that with Babe Perilli, I, would, I had a great interview with 
Dave Perilli, and I was telling him stories that Dad told me about Bear Bryant when we'd be up in the press box waiting for the game. And he corrected me a little bit. He said, yeah, they're mostly true. He says, your dad was the man as far as Bear Bryant was concerned. He invited, I said, the media to Millersburg to the training camp, to the training camp. He goes, no, he invited your dad. Because there was a letter where Bear had invited Dad to the two-week training camp. He said, trust me, he, he knew he could trust your dad and that what needed to stay in Millersburg would stay there and that your dad would report on only the things that he knew were proper to report on. And at those days, the uh, coaches, there was no media room, so Bear Bryant had the media out to his house after a game. Well, if they lost, a lot of the people were afraid to go. And uh, Claude went one time, he said to my mom, he said, I think that we need to go out and support Bear. I think he'll appreciate it. So they went out to his house, and he greeted them, and they sat down and had a nice discussion about the team, and mostly personal. And they got to leave. He said, Claude, you know, I really appreciate you, you and Alice coming by tonight. He goes, those other son of a bitches were just too scared to come out. <laughs> and, you know, it was very personal, very informal, and there wasn't the throngs of media that there are today in trying to get exclusive interviews and, and, that, and quick interviews and that kind of thing. It was a whole different atmosphere. Alan, what do you think his lasting legacy is on sports broadcasting and UK? Well, hopefully this book will help make the legacy a little bit lasting. I think the hard part about the book, Steve, was the fact that he had been passed for since 1967. I did the book initially four, uh, seven years ago in 2014, and this re-release, so... After that length of time and through the career of Kay Wood Ledford, who was there 39 years, I think I wanted to get the word out of what Claude was to not just UK and the Cincinnati Reds, but to you know modern sportscasting and how he really helped it become its own profession because until the 60s, really, sportscasting was a sideline. You had to be a journalist, and you did sideline in sportcasting. That's how Claude first started out. He contracted out with uh, WKLX, the UK games, who came down from Northern Kentucky eventually to, to do it full-time with WVLK as the program manager. And, you know, he had a business model of a hub and a spoke and a wheel where WVLK was his primary business, but he had branches out into broadcasting and sportscasting and, uh, you know, horse racing and other venues that he wanted to do. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that legacy is important. I think through the archives and the games and the interviews that are on file there, I think I would encourage young people, especially who weren't able to hear him broadcast the game, get on the archives. It, it's... Uh, University, they changed it recently. Uh, then it was the uh, University UK edu.com. But uh, there's over 440 recordings on there from the 1944 audition tape to a high school game in 48 to some UK football games with Bear Bryant, Bear Bryant's coaches shows. Just see what the flavor is of that era and those coaches and those games. I think they'll be 
impressed. And then some of the UK basketball games, the tri- Temple triple overtime game, it was one of the more exciting broadcasts that he ever did. And just uh, kind of see what what he, he was like. He uh, projected a real image of professionalism and excitement without being a homer. You know, being the hometown guy rooting for his hometown team, he would tell it like it is. Claude Sullivan. When Memorial Coliseum, if Claude had, hadn't have died, that uh, they wouldn't have filled the Coliseum because everybody was wanting to go to their cars and listen to the game on the radio. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Claude Sullivan, born in Winchester, a short life, but what a great life uh, it was. The book, Voice of the Wildcats, Claude Sullivan and the Rise of Modern Sportscasting. The author, his son, Alan Sullivan, along with Joe Cox. It's on University Press of Kentucky out in uh, paperback, and as you mentioned, the re-release. Alan, thank you so much for joining me. Let me leave you with one thought. The uh, new website is for the archives is exploreuk.uky.edu and then just type in the Claude Sullivan collection. You'll see a treasure trove of games and interviews. Yeah, terrific archive. Alan, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it, Steve. Thanks you thank you a bunch. It was good to talk to you. Thank you. And this is Speaking of Writers, I'm Steve Richards.